good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How is your Monday? How was your Monday? I've been busy the last couple of days doing um, media stuff. Uh, hmm. I, what I mean by that is um, uh, you surprised me at the last minute with a completely random show that I never would have thought you would have recommended. And then I spent... Oh, media. I, I was picturing like Entertainment 720. You were, you were starting a business. You were <laughs> no, but, uh, making waves in the industry. I, I like that. I like that better. Uh, no, you, you, you can't. You, what was that? Uh, it's the middle of the day you, or at night or something. You posted that you were watching Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Which, by the way, yeah. if I would have picked a movie I thought you'd be watching, that's one I would have thought Dennis is probably going to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just randomly? No, that was um, that was Andrew, and I don't remember why. Oh. It was, e, uh, not yesterday, because it's the 10th. It was Wednesday? No. It could have been know. that long ago, I know. Whatever night he had time. So it was either last night, not last night, it was either Saturday night or Friday night. Right. And he right. felt bad that he had not watched any Star Wars thing on May the 4th. <laughs> and so he was going to watch Solo. Okay. But he was on the fence about watching Solo. He had just recently watched Rogue One, or that would have been his first pick. Yeah. And we said something. I am eagerly looking for the connection here. <laughs> well, there's this whole this whole story. He was talking about that. And then I, I had this conversation with my dad where we were trying to, uh, you know, remember actors uh, from things. And let me see if, if you can figure this one out f faster than I did. It, it gave me a real... Uh, uh, you know, like brain, we, in my family, we call it brain cloud, which is uh, from Joe versus the volcano. But I was just stuck on it. Like I could picture the guy, but could not remember his name. So dad's talking about the movie, The Expendables, right? Yep. Which has freaking everybody in it. Right. All the action people. And I'm like, uh, because I was telling him about the new Guy Ritchie movie, um, Wrath of Man yeah. with Jason Statham. And I'm like, okay, I don't think Jason Statham was in The Expendables. I'm like, but who was? You got all the old guys. Who he was. Jason Statham was in The Expendables. Was he? Okay. And we're like, it's not Bruce Willis. And I'm like, who's the guy who's not Bruce Willis and not Dwayne Johnson, not The Rock. But still bald and guy. Not Jason, <laughs> and not Jason Statham. Right. In that like category. I'm yeah. like, who's the guy who's not The Rock and not... Uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Vin Diesel, I guess what you're talking about. It's it's Vin Diesel. Yeah. And I'm picturing the guy. I'm like, he did all those Fast and the Furious movies and dad's never seen those. And I'm like, he had a, a set of movies that were called triple X and yeah. And then it gets, then it gets blurry. Like I was talking to Fox about this and I'm like, did he do daddy daycare? And he's like, no, that was the rock though. It might've been, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy or something like, not Eddie Murphy, but some other, like, big guy, you know, former wrestler or whatever. But anyway, so I'm telling Andrew this story. And he's a little surprised at how few of those movies, those Fast and the Furious movies I've seen. Right. I saw the first one in the theater, maybe also the second one. Yeah. And then... You mean and Too, too Fast, Too that. Furious? Yeah. Yeah. Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, so... I, I same way. I, I saw the first one. I think in the theater as like a hey, it's a it's a Hollywood blockbuster anyway, the, with Vin Diesel. The, the 
the punchline of that story is Andrew, like telling that story to Andrew, he was like, I could watch Tokyo Drift again. Let's watch Tokyo Drift instead. He was not super enthusiastic. <laughs> they didn't watch, watch any Solo. Star Wars thing at all after all that. No, I know. It's funny. But uh, well, uh, yeah, so so we watched that movie. It uh, it's fine. It's I, fine. <laughs> I did not expect very much at all. Literally none of the cast can act at all. Yeah. The, the lines are the cheesiest stuff you've ever heard. Um, the driving, even as somebody who doesn't know very much about cars, I'm like, why are they always shifting? Like every time you see a shot yeah. of a driver, they're changing gears. How, I'm like, how can is... you be in your max gear and then shift again? <laughs> shift again, just shift, shift every time. And I'm like, this is just what this is. Like you're yeah. supposed to sit in the theater and think it's cool that beautiful people in cars are just driving around and doing all this this drifting stuff. Um, yeah, the the uh, so I I had said I saw that first one in the theater as well, but that again I kind of equate it to Transformers without uh, the race the racist stuff. I mean, there's some racist stuff in it, but it's not Transformers is really egregious with some of that stuff. And uh, um, it's I don't remember that Trans- Transformers isn't. At, I mean, it's worse than Transformers is worse than this one, but not by far. Mm-hmm. They still fall into okay. the movie version of the CW type shows, right? Sure. Uh, and sure. Uh, so I watched. I was like, yeah, that, that was that was fun. It, it was, weird, but I didn't really care to watch any more of them. It, it did what it did and went on. Um, and then I had a buddy, a friend of the show, Bill, was evidently. He, I mean, mm-hmm. he's always been a car guy anyway, so this makes sense. Um, right. And he was like, oh, "We're gonna go watch number seven. And I was like. He was so stoked to go watch it. And he had, you're going to watch it with me? You're going to watch it with me? Like, sure, I'll drive up to for premiere night for Fast and Furious 7 and stand in line like all those other people. Why not? And watch it. And it was, again, just fine. It was just fine. Uh, but at that point, I knew that there was all sorts of stuff. I didn't know what was happening because it was fine. But I didn't know any of these cast members that were coming on that were clearly dramatic effects. Like, why are there 700 people in this cast? And they only have like a line or two. Right. Mm-hmm, Clearly. Mm-hmm. But they all know everybody. And then they right. they go off and they're not there anymore. I'm like, oh, this is that franchise ishness of it. Um, so yeah. I thought someday I would go watch it. And then and then I think that one starts with I think number seven starts with the end of Tokyo Drift, like the explosion mm-hmm. of or the, the death of the main guy in and, Tokyo Drift. There's a guy. And Andrew did. Uh, these are all pretty old movies by now. And yeah. Anybody who's seen the trailer for F9 or whatever they're calling it um, <laughs> FF9. knows that that uh, the guy from Tokyo Drift is back in the trailer. Yeah. And so he's like when when his car crashes and, the, and he's like, yeah, they bring him back and then kill him and then bring him back again. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't and know like, that. Oh, is that why? His car crashed and like nobody went in to look for a body or anything. They just panned away. I'm like, oh, they're leaving that open for some miraculous, uh, weird, uh, you know, escape from escape from death. Well, they, they had. Um, so, like I said, when I, I only saw the first one, then I saw the seventh one. It starts off with an explosion in Tokyo of that guy. I think that mm. now that I've actually read up on it, that is to let you know that fast the second. Fast and the Furious, or is it second? Yeah, Fast and the Furious movie, which was Tokyo Drift, actually was. Third. Is it third? Okay, the third movie was mm-hmm. actually the seventh movie in chron- or sixth movie chronologically. Oh, so, so when so, you see, I mean, Vin Diesel makes a cameo at the end, and he doesn't, he doesn't say anything except that he knew the guy in the accident, right? And of course, 
he says he was like family. Like family, of course. Says he's family. And I'm like, oh, we made it almost all the way to the end. There are like seven minutes left in this movie. We got this far without a line about family. And the the funny thing about that is what Andrew said. The protagonist, like his mom ships him off to, to Japan, to Tokyo to live with his dad because he gets in trouble at school. And then his dad is like, you know, this kind of absentee, but, you know, military rule. Like, this guy doesn't know what family means. Right, right. <laughs> he doesn't know. Well, so so anyway, as I was saying, is that that, that started it. And Bill leaned over me and was like, oh, this is this happened at the end of Tokyo Drift. And that was he, he told me that was a really good one. I was like, OK, so there's some really good ones. Right. I guess of these the mm-hmm. series. Uh, and then I know it, it, again, I thought it was just OK and didn't think too much of it either. But I. I figured that was the last one. Clearly, they can't go more than seven. And then there was an eight, and it, and then and then there was Hobbs and Shaw, and then there was nine. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, these are these are never. And then they were continually breaking box office records, and I was yeah. like, wow, okay, okay, something's happening. So when you did this, that's a long. All this to say is that when you said uh, number four, I took it upon myself the last three days to watch uh, all of them up to number five. I watched Fast and the Furious five, so I watched. One, two, three, four, and five, which is like Tokyo Drift as well. I've also watched Hobbs and mm-hmm. Shaw and seven. So I got to watch six, eight, and then the next one, and I'll have watched them all. I'm pretty nice. proud of myself. Although they are perfect movies to not pay attention to. Like, I had the, the reason I, pl- I watched so many is that they're playing on this screen while I'm working on this screen. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. coding and doing my, my management over here, and then it's going on over here. Right, like you said, yeah, it's the you, same thing. They're going to hit nitro. It's going to do the same. They're going to go like this. Yeah, you know, they're going to show some CGI of the inside of the engine. Yep, yep. Um, and and there are always so many shots. There's so much butts in this, Dennis. There's so many butts. Uh, Tokyo Drift, especially. It's like <laughs> almost to the end of the movie, and I'm watching this with with Andrew and our dad. And so every time I'm like, uh, this is awkward. And <laughs> so it's like many butts. Just a, just a room full of cars and. Uh, young Asian women in very small shorts. Yeah. And, what, and it's like, they do that, uh, the movie's almost over, they do it one more time, and I'm like, oh, they had to get one more of these oh, sequences in here with a bunch of extras who don't talk, because I'm sure none of them can can speak other than, than Japanese. Well, well n- uh, n- I mean, all of the shows are like that. Every one of those shows, now that I've watched so many, have multiple scenes throughout that they're just like all their, 45 all their seconds. Tropes. Of, it's like, yeah. It's like the, you know, the peak, the various peak James Bond eras. Like, there's just a formula, and yeah. they follow it. Yeah. And they want to yeah. see cars with the neon lights flashing and the, and, and the fire shooting out of the t- tails and women draped mm-hmm. over stuff, which is, I don't know, it, it, that doesn't spark sexism. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that whole thing about it, but it's like, okay, yeah. geez. They, and in Fast and Furious 2, which, I, which everyone tells me is the worst of all of them, um, there is a female driver. Okay, and she's pretty awesome. Yeah. I like her, and she never appears in the rest of the series again. Um, nice. So they only ever have one. No, no, they have two. Sorry, right. I'll tell the other one a second. Um, and she doesn't have men that are all over her. She has women that are around her. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. You know, can can you not give throw somebody a bone if you're not that gender? So, uh, <laughs> in anyway, um, it, I it, it's okay. I mean, now that I watch up to five, I'm getting the story. Like the the whole franchise feel of it, I'm getting the the mm-hmm. familyness of it. I'm I'm getting how um, they're all gone through so much stuff together, and then you know mm-hmm. one guy gets 
they get in the fight in the second movie and then in the fifth movie he comes back and they make up and then he dies and you're like oh that that harkens all the way back to their fight in number two i get that now <laughs> so that's cool i mean it's the let's be honest here it's the fast and furious cinematic universe right it's the same thing yeah. you're, you're watching these movies to connect them all together and and that's really cool i mean I, i'm still not saying that they're the best ever but they're still very cool that you no, can they're, watch they're what they are they are what they are um so yeah uh the other the last thing i wanted to say about that was i did not realize that wonder woman was in this gal gadot is the main character in through like at least two of them that i'm at so far in some of the later ones yeah she's in i know at least four number four and number five she comes in okay um I still have not seen past Tokyo Drift, so I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. so she comes in, and she's super hot Wonder Woman girl, and they have several mm -hmm. shots of her in a bikini, too, um, and which is you know not, not a terrible thing, I'll, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> and um, then they have her. But what's, it also uh, explains some things, too, because did you ever watch Ralph Wrecks the Internet? Yeah. Y you know, the, the remember she goes to the Vanellope, goes to the, a different game where it's like an exciting racing game. Right. And she has like a, a cool uh, female role model friend that she meets in there. That's the head of the gang, mm -hmm. the racing gang that is voiced by Gal Gadot playing kind of yeah, her right. character right. from fast and the furious. I see. I see. So I'm like, Oh, it all comes together now. Let's she, they took the girl, the only other girl from fast and furious and they had right. put her in Ralph breaks the internet as that character. So like that, that worked. Um, and she kind of plays that same character in, in the movies. But what, what, what a little run. Now I'm, I'm going to watch two more, and I'll be ready for the summer release of Fast and the Furious 9. Of Fanine? Fanine. Fanine. you got to give them... I, I don't understand. Like, number four, I think, is just called... The first one's called Fast Fast and Furious, right? And, the, or, and number four is called The Fast and the Furious. No, the... Oh, four? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, I was I was looking them they're, up to try to see what... Their numbering gets a little wonky. Yeah, it's... it's uh, um, looking it up here. Uh, Fast Furious franchise names. So that's what got me confused. I was trying to find them on, on, on our different uh, you know sources you can look at. Um, streaming, yeah. S streaming sources. So the first one's called The Fast and the Furious. And number four mm -hmm. is called Fast and Furious. They just dropped the thes. They dropped the thes. And they put a little and, and sign instead of sure. and. And then, now, of course, it's just Fast and Furious. Yeah, and then it's Fast Five, then Fast and Furious Six, Furious Seven, Fate of the Fate of Furious. They don't call it eight, get it. It's Fate. Get that? Get that? Fate. Fate, fate of right. the Furious. That's, that's, that's the bit I'm doing when I say F9. Yeah, and then, now, then like right. you said, It doesn't F9. work like now eight, it's Benign. Uh, but it's great. Wikipedia has untitled 10th and 11th film because they've already been greenlighted for an 11th, 10th and 11th film before Benign is not even out yet. Right, right. I mean, you make, you make that money. You know, the, the Rock came in. Jason Statham came in. Although, mm -hmm. I'll, I will say, when I watched Too Fast, Too Furious, um, Vin Diesel's not in it. And now I know why people call mm. it the worst because it's like the series is about him. It just, like family baby right right um that's what's that's what's weird about tokyo drift like he's not in the right. whole movie and then he shows up at the very end it, yeah and and yeah those are like little side pocket movies that don't really yeah. contain the main characters uh, 
we also watched another movie um, that has sort of a very well. It has a it has an obvious connection and then a a more tenuous connection at the very end to uh, Tokyo Drift. It's a movie called Rush, which is a terrible oh, yeah. title. Mm-hmm. Um, this is it reminded us of um, Ford versus Ferrari, Ferrari, mm-hmm. but it's not new. It's from like. 2013 um it's ron howard directed and it's based on the true story of a rivalry between two formula one racers in the uh um 70s mm-hmm. it's uh i said it's it's thor versus baron zemo yeah because it's those two actors chris hemsworth and uh and the they, they, they actually Zemo, seem like they're their actual characters too. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the real people that they portrayed, the one um that Hemsworth portrayed uh has passed away, but the other at the time the movie was made was still living. I don't know if he still is. Um and so, you know, they know it was the seventies, they have videos and stuff, and um Hemsworth actually looks like the guy that he's portraying. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, car racing movie, and it ends with a race in Tokyo, which is well, not oh, Tokyo, but Japan. There you go. Um, I was like, oh, we're back in Japan with the the car I, racing. I, stuff. I'd watched half of that movie, and and again, just randomly, I think it was it was the selling point was that it's got Thor and and Zemo in it, um, mm-hmm. and I I started watching it, and it was good. I watched started watching it at two a.m., which is a mistake, and fell asleep while watching it mm-hmm. because of tiredness, not because of boredom. It, it was pretty good. I I did feel like. The 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 German guy, which is um, uh, Baron Zemo, is playing. He's he's Austrian, but yeah. is, is he Austrian? Okay, they call him German. I think a couple of guys on the show. That's call him. that's They're probably just it's, American. It's the seventies, and you know, yeah, to a bunch of car jocks in the seventies, everything is basically the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he um, like every corner, he he came in. The other dude was better than him at, at all things, and it wasn't like they were going head to head. It was just like, oh, I. I met a girl and she looks great. And everybody's like, oh, by the way, her last boyfriend was that guy. And I'm like, dude, this dude mm-hmm. is haunting you no matter where you go. No wonder you have obsession with him. He doesn't even know who you are, hardly. Right, right. <laughs> so I, I felt a little sad for him, although he was kind of a, he was a weird thing because he feels like he was a jerk anyway. He, yeah, he is. And it's a case of like, um, uh, his name is Nikki Lauda is the Austrian and the uh, British Hemsworth character is, Oh, it's like right on the edge of my brain. I don't know. I'm not going to remember. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, the Lauda character or person is the, like, he's not necessarily a mechanic, but he knows cars. Like he can feel, mechanical problems with cars and stuff like that so he helps the the pit crew and the and the team like improve the car that he's driving the ferrari that he's driving um and but otherwise like he has no no charisma no like he's not very good looking um like he just has this one thing this this competitive drive and this obsession with with driving and the car and the other guy um hemsworth character is the opposite like 
he's still passionate about racing, but is still like very popular, very charismatic. Like the crowds and the people and the popularity are his sort of drive. What his what his life is about. He, you know, lived a little more fast and hard than wait fast and furious. Uh, fast and, and not not furious, just <laughs> la- laughing. He he right. lived hard, as they say, right? And right, he, right. He died at forty five of like a heart attack. Oh man. Um, James Hunt was that guy's name. Hunt, that's it. I knew it was a four letter, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, couldn't come up with yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah. It's, anyway, it we seemed, watched that. that it seems pretty. It seemed pretty nice. Like I said, the while, while looking through it, and, it, and I, I figured that oh, I'll go back to it and finish off the last forty five minutes of it or something at some point. I, ha- I've never been a racing some of person. That, yeah, it has some of that biopic stuff where um, some events are very time compressed right he mm-hmm. um the james hunt character uh marries um a model played by olivia wilde mm-hmm. and he proposes to her in the scene where they meet and then oh, yeah. the next scene is the wedding and i'm like okay cool so this movie is about the racing we're not going to spend a lot of time <laughs> on their courtship yeah the the uh um I, I said I never really got often got into the, the racing shows. I can't think of one mm-hmm. right now that I really, really liked, except for like, that's why people can get into the Fast and Furious. It's so over the, t- like normal racing yeah. to me at least is very boring. I mean, and I, and I know it's going to sure. you know get people not like me. I know it's very exciting, <laughs> but you know, especially, I mean, Formula One is definitely going through stuff, but it's, you can't watch it. It's not like a really a spectator sport. Even yeah, when you're watching it with camera, they're just. Me. They just show one turn every time, and it's like you're so far away. Yeah, yeah. You, you, if I mean, if you were watching it somehow from a bird's eye view and could follow along better, you know, it it would be easier to watch. Um, but you know, you can't. So anyway, um, yeah, you, they need. I mean, I guess the cars are going too fast, but I think I would think it'd be possible now to get wires. And I mean, there probably aren't drones that go that fast. But what you need is a drone to hover just behind you like in a video game yeah so yeah. you can just see your car yeah and make, making i mean yeah or do some something they need they need something to do with that that's why you can do fast and furious and have like cgi drones that are circling around the cars when they're making every single drift i, I can watch right. those right um yeah days of thunder is about the only last one i can think of that was mm. that I, I watched a lot um in the 80s or or cars right <laughs> cow, cow. cars the, the the pixar movies yeah yeah um, so yeah, I, that, that was a good one. I I had somebody. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but somebody pointed out the like weird biology of a car that has a windshield for eyes instead of the headlights. And the the guy shows a picture of like the shell yeah. of a car with yeah. this giant monster in it, so the yeah. eyes are up at the uh, <laughs> windshield. I I mean, I only saw the first one, but <laughs> I still am like, I don't know if I could watch those again after seeing that horrific image <laughs> you're right I, I know what you're talking about too the windshield is the guys but some guys the eyes are the the lights that's really weird right well, yeah. that's what when you're a kid like when you imagine that a car is a face the headlights are the eyes like yeah, yeah. that's that, that's that. just do you remember um and they actually stopped doing this to me when i was a kid this was a thing that was like the way of the future but you remember when um the first time you saw a car that had the headlights that popped up. Mm-hmm. Those are so cool, man. 
Those were, yeah. I still kind of want I'm one like, of those. Whoa, it's like a <laughs> right. real life transformer, right? It's just like wand as a robot thing automatic. I mean, that and the that and the DeLorean like swing up doors. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, though, back to put things in context with then back then, remember, even automated windows were not standard yeah. in any way. Uh, so things that automatically did things by themselves are pretty amazing. So lights popping up, definitely. Like there's no mechanical thing that you did to make those go yeah, up. It's it's up there. It's up there with the first time um, you ride in a car that has power windows. Yeah. Right. Or uh, the first time you ride in a car that has the automatic seatbelt. Mm-hmm. And some of those things they did for a while and then stopped. Right. They don't right. do automatic seatbelt anymore. Yeah. Um, I uh, we didn't talk about this on the show, but last week, right before part of the reason we started recording so late is I went to go look at a um, a converted box truck that somebody turned into a camper. I mm-hmm. think I've mentioned that on the show. I've been looking at camper vehicles um, and it was a it was built on a 1997 GMC Safari, not Safari, Savannah um like van, it's like a like a cargo van but they it's just the cab and then there's a box right like a box truck mm-hmm. uh but it's from 1997 and it's you know a work vehicle so it's it's very minimalist there's no um there were no cruise control controls and it had window cranks and i'm like man i haven't had a car with window cranks since like 2008 right i think was the last one that i that i replaced i mean that's that's one of the hard things for last several generations to come through is this idea of reliable electronics like Mm. um i mean it it's hard it's hard to not see to understand that now that you know um i'm trying to think you 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 get anything that's mechanical a controller even um and not think of you know it being mechanical it's you know it's now everything's digital because they have um, electronics that are durable enough and connectors that are durable enough sure, in cars. And sure. you couldn't put a lot of electric electrical things in cars because the weather, they didn't know how to weatherproof them and the weatherproofing was, mm. would rot away even. And so you couldn't, yeah. and when you have shorts in a car like that, it causes car fires. So, I mean, that, not just not with cars, but with everything so much in life was more, more often that it was mechanical based instead of, computer tech you didn't push a button and something happened over there right yeah and it's it's interesting i mean i've i've already said this but it's interesting the things that like seemed like new innovative things that didn't last right like you remember when um i never had one of these but there was a number of years i want to say maybe a decade probably just a couple of of companies a couple of makes that did this but they would have all digital um meters and things and obviously like a tesla has all digital meters it just has a monitor yeah. but you know they'd have like the actual lcd mm-hmm. like numbers and stuff for your speedometer instead of a physical my cougar had um, that yeah dial yeah and i hardly ever see that anymore like yeah. they, they've gone back to the physical dials which is silly i think i mean i i got a a newer mustang and it's all you know, tachometers and physical di- di- things. And I'm like, why don't, why can't you show? I mean, it's got some digital things and readouts, but sure, really the fuel is still primary. said with the old physical thing. I'm like, can't you give me mm-hmm. a 14 miles to E right there? That's what I want to see. Actually, sure. my, my thing was really side c- complaint is that 
whoever makes the 2016 Mustangs is that it's still in the primary thing is is the speedometer for your thing. And why it, they refuse to put a speed like how fast you're going digital output in the middle of your screen. You, oh. it, it's just so silly that I can't say I'm going exactly 65 miles per hour, then set that, you know. Uh, or I The car I have now, I think, is an 06. So I've never had, I've never owned a vehicle that had digital speed display. Oh, I, my last one did, and it was so much better. But yeah, I've so, had, I've had like like rental cars. You know, I drove that, um, I drove that Cruise America RV, which is a basically a 2021 um, Ford E350 van chassis, just like that box truck, but with an RV built on it instead mm-hmm. of a box. And it had it had all the numbers, like it would show me estimated MPG in in real time, and the um, the cruise control would show an actual target number. That's how our rental car was when we were in Ireland, except it was, you know, kilometers instead of miles. But I was driving a, uh, what was I driving? Oh, my parents have a Prius. I was driving that. And I'm like, why is the, why is the cruise control adjustment like fuzzy? Like I got to push it and hold it to get, why can't it just click? between you know the 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 miles per hour and it's like well it's not that new of a vehicle well even even then even some of the new ones uh it's it's amazing i mean industries are industries right and they don't always embrace other industries for example like right they still so many even the top of the line cars come out right now and they have terrible digital interfaces they're just they don't put a, uh, anyone who knows stuff about technology or interface software hired to those companies to make good interfaces and you're like why why is this so difficult to find the audio volume setting in my car type (laughs) thing right why do i have to go three clicks and four um yeah conversely i actually watched seeing the tesla and uh, our friend marcus has a tesla and the interface on that is fine like somebody hired a ui person like they're people whose careers are ui just hire them you're making a you know sixty thousand dollar car for someone to buy for pete's sakes hire a ui person for that just once yeah um so anyway, ending that, wrapping that up is that, you know, you, you mentioned the, the lights coming up. Th- those are things now that we, you know, take for granted and it's part of our normal lives um, that, you know, you can push a button and things are programming, lights happening everywhere and doors open and you can walk close. And my car right now, I just walk up to it and it opens up, right? It unlocks. It knows that I'm there because. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that's more practical than yeah. just headlights that pop up and down. Like, um but those were really cool, though, because it, it was side unknown. mirrors that fold in when you turn the car off or my yeah. brother-in-law has an Escalade and it's got the um, running boards on mm-hmm. motors that pop down uh, for you to climb in and out of it. Yeah, but uh, that's it's kind of cool. It's nice. I always say it's nice living in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, all, all the, the new things. Uh, so well, thanks for listening to Car Talk. Don't drive <laughs> like my brother. Speaking of mechanical things that are weird, uh, not weird, but are, are interesting <laughs> taking taking mechanical answers to stuff actually this feeds right into that um recently um lucas was it no disney uh released their new um lightsaber that they're gonna start selling i the way i understand it is that it's only going to be sold at um uh the disney world like uh hollywood studios and stuff like that okay Okay. you know the is it is it real? Can I finally achieve my dream of slaughtering younglings? Yeah, right. No, I. It, so, you know, they've tried so many things to make a, a lightsaber stuff. So I think the, mm-hmm. the coolest that I always thought was, you know, the ones they sell for kids that you 
shoot forward and then like it, it shoots out on a telescopic type thing. You know what I mean? The kids' toys that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you just jerk it forward and it goes, comes out. I always thought those are mm-hmm. still really, really neat, and then you can bash each other with them. Uh, right. Those, I think, in my, for my money's worth, of the closest that you can get. Some, you know, some of the ones they have now have, you know, they light up really neat and they do stuff, but they have breakable plastic stuff. You can't really bash them and everything. So anyway, this mm-hmm. this new one opens up and looks and sounds like a lightsaber, um, and it works. They went back to old school to make it happen. Like it has, it's just a hilt. You press it and it goes boom and it expands all the way up like a lightsaber would. Okay. Um, and, and the way they do it is um, they looked into the patents with Disney's made. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a reverse um, tape measure. You, you know, you know what I mean? Like a tape measure winds okay. up, you know, you into you, a, you're right into, into a little a coil into a coil. Yeah. So it's the same way it's in a coil and you press the button and it releases it and pushes it out in a circular tube instead of in just a, you know, one line tape measure. It's, a, it's a kind of a, a, a circular. I'm sure there's like a cut edge, whatever. And it has these that the inside of them all have LEDs. So right. when it, it shoots upwards, the LEDs are lighting up as it goes to mm-hmm. the end. Uh, very simple thing. But again, that's what brings back. It's a mechanical process when so many sure, people were sure. trying to do new technology type stuff to make a lightsaber be a lightsaber. Like, oh, here's just a very simple mechanical thing that would make this work. Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. And and then now we can learn from that and make actual plasma inside those those things, right? Right, right. That's the next step. So that that, that was kind of neat. They they showed that actually what was funny is that they de- debuted that in a commercial for their their um new hotel they're going to be opening up. It's like the super mm. expensive hotel. I think right. several of us are planning to go to that as soon as we can the first year. Yeah, I, I heard you guys talking about that. Waste, and the, waste ridiculous amounts of money and be embarrassed. And the, and the pricing involved. And I was like, man, I'm going to remember this next time you guys are talking about how much something costs. We, 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 this is, I, I was ta- I've talked to Shelly about this before. I was like, you know, this is definitely one of the things that uh, I could never tell anybody else I actually ever did because mm-hmm. then all, all comments I make about money from now on will be... You know, oh, yeah. but you went yeah. on this. You're you're in the you're in the same ballpark as what I spent on Airbnbs for five weeks in Ireland. Yeah, I'm sure now, that was yeah. that was five years ago. But I can't imagine it's gotten much more expensive. I mean, they're probably still locked down right now. But you know what I mean. We're 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 looking to go to to Disney this year. Hopefully, cross knock on wood, whatever. Hmm. And um, it, it, the trip for four is not cheap i'll tell you that much but including including airfare and stuff uh this this this, uh without airfare this um star wars what three day two night or three night four day i think it's just short weekend uh experience is going to cost about the price of two people going to disney for an entire week including airfare so it's going to be very expensive for such a it better be a we're all hoping it to be an experience of a lifetime type thing. And, yeah, yeah, you know, I should. We'll, we'll I mean, we know that we know that Disney makes big money off those parks. Yeah, they do, and and they know that we do know that their, you know, primo experiences are primo. Right? Right? Sure, they, they definitely go all the way. So anyway, well, that, that's going to be that their their uh, yeah. trailer for that was just Ray, the, an actress playing Ray, turning around and igniting mm-hmm. that lightsaber. And then it said, like, Galactic <laughs> Cruiser coming nice. 2021 nice. or something like that. But, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, hey, something I did this weekend, 
And okay. I don't. I won't talk too much about it. But it'll just be real quick. Uh, I, I, we talked about uh, watching that show Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet like a year or so ago. You watched yeah. that, right? Um, yeah. The show on Apple Plus about an, the business Video of game an company. Yeah, a yeah. comedy type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really liked that show. I, I ended up yeah. th- throughout the season really, really enjoyed it. Not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it was no. entertaining. Yeah, and it got better as it went along. I think the characters started to grow on you. And I think I, I had what to me seemed appropriate uh, levels of expectation. Yeah, right. I was, I was not expecting another Silicon Valley, but hopefully something better than Big Bang Theory. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and, and it was good. And actually, the the thing, if I remember just uh, recapping what we had said about it when we watched it on the show, was that um, it, it was a absurd, very uh, clearly comedy-based thing. And then it would have mm-hmm. moments of, like, seriousness that was touching. Like, sure. You're right. I, I remember yeah. one particular point that in the middle of this, uh, the season, they stopped for a weird interlude episode of In the Past. Completely isolated, like, an entire flashback episode with with completely unknown characters. Yeah, no, no one from the cast at all. And then it did tie in at the very end to right. to it was, but um, it's the same it, building. But it was still it, it wasn't com that like that wasn't comedy at all. It was very Mm-mm. you know thing. So anyway, that I, I liked that about that, and I had forgotten that that was a, a key part of that show. And um, season two just released. I thought I, I need to go back and now watch season two. Oh. Uh, which, which is cool, right? Um, it's not Raven's Banquet anymore because Raven's Banquet was their expansion and they launched. Um, oh, that's clever. That's right. They, they had so it's not Raven's Banquet anymore. Uh, right. But I discovered that they have they put out two episodes in between seasons, okay. um, which is kind of cool. And mm-hmm. it looks like the reason they did them was because of the pandemic. Like they were, they were going to finish. They couldn't for, finish for them filming shooting. Yeah. Sure. So so they did two episodes. They did one episode that was wholly online. Like they were all, okay. it's all, it's done that whole, like we're all on video chat thing. Yeah. And yeah. that was fantastic. The reunion shows. Absolutely fantastic. That that episode was great. Um, and then another one was kind of like, it feels, it's like after the pandemic, because like, some of them are, are wearing masks, right? Mm-hmm. You can tell like, well, some of the cast members didn't feel comfortable wearing masks. Or not wearing masks, so right. so they wrote that into their characters, not being comfortable wearing not wearing masks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in that episode, also, there's an older guy that's the writer. He, yep. he's uh, in the Murray Murray Abraham, right? He he's clearly in a vulnerable population for COVID, sure, so he sure. wasn't on that episode except remotely, right? Okay, and and they Got and it. they they mentioned that like, well, some of us are still don't have the strong enough constitutions yet to. To make it through this, we got to keep them safe, and that includes you, mm-hmm. you know. So, which that was kind of cool that they're yeah. placing this in there. Um, so, so funny a little bit how the how the last season of Superstore is. I assume you haven't seen that yet, mm-hmm. but they went that it made me very nervous last year, and I think we're to the point where everybody who was gonna do that in terms of like showrunners has already done it. Yeah. Because it's very uncomfortable to watch actors in a scripted, fictionalized thing react to the real world events of a global pandemic. Yeah, um, it can it can go bad very easily in terms yeah. of, uh, at least for me, my ability to watch and enjoy a show. Sure. Um, but of course, Superstore is is 
it's just super sore like it's funny and ridiculous but also kind of uncomfortable because of the crappy lives of big box <laughs> retail workers right um but they definitely do that where like now they're in lockdown and some uh, not lockdown but they're in whatever restrictions and so they're sometimes wearing masks and sometimes not depending on how they're interacting with customers and all that they don't really address like they don't have any of the characters be anti-mask or any of that they don't address it in that way as part of the storytelling um they just do their normal like retail concerns yeah um yeah this and this this episode that they had the first one of their specials was um set it, it well done it was set in like after eight months or nine months of the pandemic has already been gone. So we've already been, they've already been doing whatever they're doing for like we are now, like we said early in the, in the pandemic, we call this thing new normal. That was the the catchphrase, but actually here we are, you know, a year on from the thing. And some of us are still actually truly living that new normal where we are just, you know, I have like me personally still have meetings on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. And they are known. This is how I interact with the people in those meetings. Right. And that's kind of, how this show was it's kind of like they're just having another one of their meetings a normal meeting which is our new normal thing now mm-hmm. but still it's very frustrating that this guy still can't figure his microphone out and you know at first it's the old guy <laughs> and then someone's trying and he'd get his microphone work and then his camera doesn't work off and he's upside down and then he he calls sure, you on sure. on facetime to talk to you on the thing you know um all, all the bits yeah so so it's got all, it's got all that stuff which really really great and then near the end it hits this very kind of serious, like one, I'll say one of the characters can't handle being isolated, you know, and, and, okay. it, and it gets kind of that real type thing all of a sudden yeah. and you don't kind of see it coming, but also it, it feels all of a sudden natural. Like, Oh yeah, that happened to me or that's kind of how I felt, you know? Um, yeah. And then, and then if you're living in some urban environment without a lot of green space and you don't have good windows in your apartment, yeah. And suddenly you, yeah, you haven't seen the sun in yeah. weeks. And, and or, then, yeah. it, it, like I said, it, all of a sudden for that, like, five minutes or so, the show stops being really funny and starts being like, like it, it is, like it does. It becomes, yeah. Yeah. you know, serious there. And you're like, oh, man, this is this is a, a heartfelt moment when this happens. And then mm-hmm. they deal with it in a really good, heartfelt way. And then you leave that episode, you're like, I really like this show. Right. You know, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think some of the best comedy shows like The Office and Parks and Rec did that exact same kind of stuff. They where walk, they would walk that line. Yeah. Where, where you have absolute hilarity and then you have somebody at the end struggling with drinking too much or, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. And then they come in, they have a, a bonding thing like I'm always here for you. You know, and it's I mean, way back, way back when with Cheers and, um you know, family ties or whatever. It was always comedy. And then they would come together and they'd be a, have a real family issue that was really serious. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I watched about a season and a half of that when they put it on Netflix. And I'm like, some of this stuff has aged, right? Uh-huh. Like some of the way that the people interact is, is, you know, dated. Yeah. And, you know, like they do a bit where the phone rings and Carla says, who's not here? And a bunch of hands go up. Right, like <laughs> right. whose wife is calling them and wants me to tell them that he's not here, <laughs> right, um, right. and I'm like, well, that's not a you know. By the time I was old enough to go to bars, everybody had a cell phone, uh, <laughs> right. so that so that doesn't translate for me. But right. I get it, right? right? Like I grew up in the time when there were phones, right. you know, corded phones. But 
I'm like, oh yeah, that that joke doesn't work now. And like the whole character of Cliff and his trivia, like, is a little, um, you know, outdated in a world of of smartphones where you can look anything up at any time. Right. Um, but all the other stuff, the like, you know, the the sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? The like. Uh, uh, not Robin Hood, the Peter Pan syndrome of Sam, you know, not achieving his dreams and now mm. just sort of never being stuck in his life and that thing and the, 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 the struggles and the, um, sort of whatever fights between him and Diane, like that's, that's the sort of stuff that still happens. Yeah. And like the reasons that a lot of these guys are at the bar every night are the same reasons now. Uh, as they were in right. the 80s or whenever the show. Right. One guy's on. there for because he's got no other friends anywhere else and this is his home mm-hmm. family. Other guy's there because he's trying to escape his home family. Another right. one's there because, you know, he's um, he's always professional all the time and this is the only place to not be that type stuff. You right. know, yeah, it's like that kind of stuff. That that show reminds me, uh, a perfect scene, you're talking to Sam and ties into this Mythic Quest type stuff is... Um, there was a main character that died in that, like in real life on that show. His coach, I think, was the, one of the bartenders. And yeah, Woody, Woody yeah. Harrelson the, took his, his spot. The original, yeah, Woody yeah. Harrelson. And um, so they dealt with that. It was like, I can't remember if it was a season ender or whatever, but the character of Sam Malone is uh, a recovering alcoholic. Like he he right. runs a bar and he can't, he can't drink. He's always That's drinking right. water. I, I knew there was something. Yeah, yeah. He's, al- he's always drinking club soda and water. He, he never drinks. Mm-hmm. And he owns the bar, which is, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, but when, when coach died, I remember like he, he was in the bar at night when everyone's closed, he was the only one there and he pulls out a shot glass and pours himself a shot and just kind of puts his arms to, to, next to it and, you know, just stares at it for a minute. And then the camera, it's all quiet. There's no background. There's yeah. no track. And then it fades to black and you're like, yeah. Oh my God, this is serious. This isn't like funny, funny, ha ha show. This is like the guy's going to lose his sobriety all of a sudden mm-hmm. because, because of losing his mentor through life and like all of a sudden you have this overwhelming feeling of like alcohol alcoholism isn't a joke and you know this is really serious and in a show that's all about stupid comedy jokes right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so those are some of the best shows those are some of the things that when you have that in the show it makes it endears you to the to the characters it makes you love leslie nope and michael scott that he doesn't get a girlfriend and then when he does he's truly in love with her and he's crying outside of her house. You know, like it, mm-hmm. it makes you love these series forever. And and I, that's the way I think I like about Myth, Mythic Quest too is they they know that they can do that a couple times, and they're intentionally right. doing it. So yeah. wa- watch those two yeah. episodes; you, they're pretty fun. You have to have this sort of this sort of ratio. Did you ever watch the show um, Scrubs? I did not. I, I feel that I missed out. That was one of the worst ones I missed mm-hmm. out on. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh... Well, whatever. Like right after I was in college, when I first started actively watching TV shows that weren't um, Star Trek, <laughs> uh, uh, I watched that show. And there's an episode in that where a character um, dies and you don't find it out until the very end of the episode. But it's telegraphed in some of the lines, some of the filming, some of the costuming. You know, you have that that sixth sense thing where the character is still there but only only one of the living characters sees him 
Oh yeah. And so the the other characters like don't talk to or acknowledge him at all, even though he'll say stuff to them. Um. Anyway, oh, wow. I randomly saw wow. a YouTube video the other night of them. Some guy like, you know, Scrubs is great. This, this, and this. But this, I think, was their best episode ever. Like, if you watch this, if you pay attention to this, this will make a lot more sense in a couple minutes when, uh, when the big reveal happens. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that, it's that, that same sounds, kind of that thing. Like, really neat. it's a risky sort of thing for a comedy, but I don't know that I've ever seen a long-running comedy, at least in the more traditional styles and maybe some of them never do but the the good ones that a lot of people watch have those moments of sincerity have those moments where you know somebody that one of the main characters loves you know dies and it's a big and it's a big dramatic reveal and a lot of times fans don't like it right they're like I'm here to I'm here to laugh and be you know happy if I wanted to cry I could watch parenthood or this yeah. is us or you know right. but Grey's like Anatomy you said it's it's a balance like, right they 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 got to right. do it just right and can't do it all the time it's not a it's not a sad moment of the of this the, the the episode it's got to be maybe right. a couple of the season during the season type stuff that takes you by surprise when they happen and, and right. yeah i i really like that I, i'm going to start watching uh season 2 i think right away this this week because hmm. it it did bring me back to those characters again um after I remember after season one, like you and I always say, a lot of shows take them a season to get into who they are. Yep. And and I did feel season one was at the end of that. Um, they they were striding into there. Um, and now these last two these bonus two episodes made me feel like, oh yeah, I remember these guys. I really love that jerk. Like the I, semi little mini spoiler that happens at the beginning is that uh, Joe, who was the crazy uh, assistant for uh, that she was brand new assistant. For the producer guy, the guy who was the boss. Okay. Um, and she was the kind of off the wall, kind of crazy, who loved Ian, the, the main guy. Um, she quit working for the producer, and now she works for the marketing guy, which is Danny Pudi. It's the guy hmm. from... Uh, Abed. Yeah, Abed, yeah. So she starts working for him, which is great, because they're both insane um, okay. and selfish and stuff. And like, what's oh. the What's the main... Um... Australian girl's name. Oh, uh, Poppy. Poppy. That's Poppy. When you said Joe. I was picturing her, and I'm like, no, she's not his assistant. No, Joe. Joe was the she. In, she was in the first episode, brand new, and was the assistant. To, yeah, yeah. I re- I remember now that you said. Yeah, that. she right. she's the one where he's like, at one point he's hitting the sho- the watermelons with a shovel, trying to figure out how to hit it right. He's like, it just doesn't feel like a real head, and she's like, I can get you real heads. I mean, not human, but. <laughs> <laughs> you're like what 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 <laughs> and then she just goes Crazy. off uh so yeah uh she, she's really good Pop- poppy starts season two and actually these two bonus episodes uh spoiler for season one she's the co-director with, of the game now with with mm. ian ian was the right the creative director so now she's like his partner and so they're they're immediately not having it's not it's not butting heads because that's not what they do they have this like he's always he calls it my game still and you know mm-hmm. what? What my thing? And she's like hours. She's always, always, constantly correcting him with the, the hours. He's like hours, hours. That's right. a good runner. S- stuff like that. That'll be so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Good. Good thing. I'm gonna start uh, or finish. I guess finish watching. Yeah, I should. Sure I should start that. I need to finish Shadow and Bone. Shadow I'm and Bone. Yeah, one episode that. away from finishing, and then we can 
we can talk about that. I gotta, I'll, um, I'll try to burn through that this week if I can. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm a couple episodes. I'm behind. somewhere in season three of uh, of Last Kingdom, and they just got canceled. So oh, that makes me a little sad. Yeah, I, I'm a, a little worried about that because they were filming; they're in production of their last season, which makes me last worry Kingdom? that they're not going to have an ending, right? Mm. That like, would be unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't it, seem very Netflix like. Maybe they're, yeah. you know, as you say, not getting renewed for another season, and so they'll wrap up the story. Perhaps I know it's based on a book, a book series, okay. and and the this I can't remember how many they're up to now, but I want to say thirteen or fifteen or something like that. Um, oh, wow, uh, books, right? I know. Um, the only reason I know that is because they said that. Um, this upcoming season five will be based on books 10 through 13. Um, Jeez. So, right. Like, oh my goodness. Uh, so at some point, like they, they, I don't know if the book series is finished. It's maybe it's game of Thrones territory type stuff. Right. Um, yeah. Um, if it's a, I mean, that's a lot of books for a, for a serial story. I know some, um, some franchises like, uh, my parents really like, uh, Longmire. Yeah, um, which was made into a TV show by AMC and then canceled and then picked up and finished by Netflix for their last two or three seasons. Um, uh, Katie Sackhoff is in that. Mm -hmm. um, Starbuck. Right. Um, those are based on books, but the books are, you know, they're mystery novels. So even though they'll once in a while have a callback to a previous story, they're really like like watching a procedural detective show like it's a book so the actors don't age but there are no right. actors to age right. you can just be like yeah these last 27 books all happened in the same year or whatever right um, wow. it doesn't matter it's just kind of timeless yeah um but a serial story did i ever tell you about i think this the the franchise is called expeditionary force mm, i've heard of that um, it's a series of books written by a guy who listen. I got him on audiobook. So listening to him sounds like a former military, right? I know that I've seen a couple of those where somebody, you know, did a couple tours, uh, in, in the armed forces and then, and then took up writing, um, mm. when he got back. Cause there, there's a lot of military, um, sort of elements to the story. Um, but my friend who recommended it to me said that he's uh, actually uh, my buddy Sean, who we had on the podcast before, uh, while classic. Um, he said the the writer used to be a software engineer, huh. and so he just he just started doing this. So the story is there's a little bit of a spoiler, but you find this out pretty early. Um, aliens attack Earth, and the aliens look like um, human sized hamsters. Of some kind okay. and then um and then the humans fight them but they they don't they're completely outclassed right tech, okay. technologically and they get rescued by another alien race that are some form of lizard well you find out that both of those two races are um like vassal civilizations to two higher races one right. are like little blue men and the other are 
some kind of insect that are obsessed with um, betting, gambling. Okay. And it's he draws the analogy of um, the United States and the Soviet Union fighting in Vietnam through the A two sides of, of, yeah. of, of the locals, yeah. right? And so they're like, this is this is sort of how this how this works. Like if, um, you know, and uh, oh boy, I stopped mid sentence there. Um, if you imagine the technology that the Vietnamese had fighting their own war, and then the Soviet Union and the United States coming in and bringing in troops and M16s and helicopters and the threat of of you know nuclear. Uh, thing then napalm and all that that's the sort of parallel he's drawing so like the lizards and the hamsters have their own kind of battle like they can do this and this but once they get out into space they find out that um neither of these two races can really do interstellar travel like they can go between planets with short birds but they need to get their ships picked up and carried by okay. the races that are just above them technologically. And then both of those two races have a race even higher that are like, nobody wants to even get them involved, right? They're like, this side won't do this because if they do, then these guys, um, um, patron civils will step in and like their tech is so much higher than, than the others. And of course in this whole stack, the humans are like, you know, people barefoot in tribes. Like none of our tech is even remotely, you know, yeah, um, right. um, comparable. But um, I started reading the series and this guy puts out now the books. I don't know how many pages they are, but the audiobooks I think, are between 15 and 20 hours. So not huge, yeah. but still decent. And they might be in the they might be in the 20s. Um, and he puts out like, I think two or three books a year. Wow. Like I, I went on my audible thing and I'm like, Oh, I have a bunch of credits here. And I'm like, Oh, there are four more of these. <laughs> Ugh. You know, I don't, I don't have as much idle audiobook listening time now that I'm done with the house project. So I'm like, Sorry, I see things like Martin can't get a book out once every 10 years. I, I, I mean, I, there's only so much excuses can go so far with, with sure, sure. some, some and people it's, that, and it's not, it's not saying that people put out that put out two books a year are putting out crap books because there's so many good books out there right now. There's yeah, so they're, many things. They're, they're things good. It's, it's just very different. Like the story is always the same guy. Every once in a while they'll, do the point of view from another character, but it's really just him. There's no, like, there is complex world building, but there's no, like, um, not none, but any kind of, like, politics stuff happening is is pretty straightforward. Um, so in terms of, like, the complexity of the story is, is nothing, is nothing like Martin. But yeah, still, to the, to the extent where, you know, it takes eight, ten years to finish a book. I'm like, what is the, what is the? And I know writer's block is a real thing, right? And oh sure, but ten waiting years. For, I mean, waiting for the inspiration, and I'm like, you, you've had a really kid in, in that time. That's a ten year old kid, ten, a sixth grader. In ten <laughs> years, you couldn't, you couldn't come up with something. And I get it, you know, right. like the, the the artist is his own worst critic, but 
yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's I, I, I go, circling back to the Last Kingdom thing. I know that. Uh, Sorry, I completely uh, derailed. That. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, the Last Kingdom thing was that um, uh, they, like I said, they have so many books, and it, it's. Um, but uh, unlike Game of Thrones, where it's it's clearly has one story that it's going towards. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it feels like there's there's it's going towards the Cersei and the White Walkers and the things like that. Right. Um, that I don't know if besides going getting back to Bevenber. Of for um, Uhtred, Uhtred. I, I, it feel it does feel like every season of the Netflix show has been pretty had an arc, had a thing where it ended standalone. Sort yeah, of. standalone thing, and, and usually right that doesn't it like uh, feel that at the next the next episode of the next season is usually a couple years advanced, and mm-hmm. they're they're starting off with a whole nother like part in the world. For example, um, uh, the main king ages so many years and now he's on his deathbed because he's sick you know and then or or, and that's this that's the arc of what's happening in this season or you know um utrid is no longer an outcast or whatever and this is his season with that weird you can't uh you can't do that indefinitely right like there are only so many years that utrid can be a warrior well utrid's (laughs) Like, like perpetually the same age it feels like everybody well, else the, ages but him in the show i mean if you're if, if you're writing books right like if you're gonna oh, keep right. moving forward with with books like you either have right. to move kind of slowly in time or yeah or or change your you know i've read like generational stories and stuff where you're like in book two we're gonna yeah. learn you know what I, this person's grandchildren did or whatever. Th- there was a uh, only one time I've ever kind of experienced the trueness of that kind of statement when I was in eighth grade, uh, our, what a lame way to teach a class, by the way, my, my eighth grade history teacher taught the entire course based on this, uh, TV series called Centennial. Um, Oh, Centennial. My, my grandparents had that on VHS. Yeah. It is the entire eighth grade class was based on that TV series, like for an entire school year. Um, I can, I can see the, the, I mean, you're eighth grade, so you're like, you could be interested in a thing or, you know, it's like, um, it's like the way they teach Shakespeare. It's like yeah. they don't want, th- I, th- I think maybe they don't want kids to get into Shakespeare because they teach it in, the, you know, the worst possible <laughs> way at the right. worst, at the worst possible age. Um, right. But if you're, <laughs> you know, a, a middle school history professor, a history teacher trying to get kids interested at that time right like the 90s or whatever you're yeah, yeah you're going well what about what about a tv show like kids like tv yeah. we don't uh you know we'll keep them engaged this right. way and i mean well, obviously as, as much as i was just some potential there but right i don't remember as much that as I was show just being playing it, it it was i kids. actually i still remember it i mean i'm bringing it up now so many years well, later right and and i remember the things in it uh, so it's clearly not a bad way. It was, and it was at least a certain level effective. Yeah. And uh, his, uh, the, the, I guess the thing is, his, I'm sure his curriculum was, though, was, was based around however the writers and programmers uh, or the show programmers yeah. of the show, you know. Yeah, you're uh, not, a, you're not a super accurate if you're not watching like a Ken Burns documentary or something. Right. Well, we, we would, we would be, uh, so the way that class went, and this Still is, I'm just going to tell you this real quick was that, you know, you'd have, we watch one episode like a week, maybe two and in the class. Right. Okay. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's a 45 minute show or something. So we'd watch those 45 minutes in class. And then the rest of the week we would be talking about, let's say, um, 
the main character is a fur trader. And then we talk about fur traders and what their role was in, in the okay. stuff that week. Okay. So, right. And then as he goes on, he meets uh, a certain tribe of Indians and then like the Sioux or something. And then mm-hmm. that's the next week, right? And then we would spend that week talking about the, the, the Native American Sioux tribe and where they lived in the, the country and how they they uh, um, utilize buffalo and the ways they are used. And that, so when we would go back next week and see them again, and the next week we we knew a lot more about that tribe, right? You know, in in uh, in today's time, like if 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 your teacher was doing that today, he would be um, he would be a podcaster. <laughs> Although <laughs> I, guess I right. can I can see now from a conversation we had a couple weeks ago, um, I can definitely see a class in um, you know history of the the british royals in mm. the 20th century where you watch an episode of the crown every week and then yeah. you talk about the true history yeah uh, for sure class. for sure well that that's kind of how you know uh, the, this way that this conversation came was that that show was generational like you were talking about like the, yeah. the first time i it's ever experienced years. yeah the, it took over a long time and and throughout that time it was the first time i'd ever seen the main character die like mm. and, and I'm like well what we're watching the show and this guy just died and what he's, do we do now he's the guy what's the show about what's the now? show about and then it pivots to other characters that came in a couple episodes before maybe and they're in the town and he met them but they're other characters in the show they weren't the primary character but they were other characters and they kind of evolve into the main characters now Right. Mm-hmm. And then they grow up and have kids and then you're they pass away in a storm or something. And but their kids survive and you're just following the kids now. And it yep. takes you through, you know, and, or the Indians. And as those go through and that was a generational show and I'd never mm-hmm. experienced that thing before. And so I could see that being very interesting. I just wasn't prepared for it as an eighth grader. Sure, to, sure. To see the death of people. But it did teach you, you know, how things were tough back then. And mm-hmm. you could die from, you know, uh cholera or whatever random yeah some, um, some so, dirty water wow bring it back uh lost kingdom is the last kingdom is, is gonna end this uh next season yeah. so hopefully that'll be a, a good ending uh, okay so moving off of that we got just a little bit of time um have you played any uh put any video games we're talking about i did i i exciting? played uh i actually bought um a, a vr game called demio um, oh, I bought that too, but I haven't had a chance to. Yeah, we're we're yet. we're gonna play it with our friend group soon, I'm sure. Uh, so oddly, I mean, usually me and this group are the ones that um, come up with all these, you know, find out new games and new stuff right away, and then I share them with other people. But uh, Bill, our buddy Bill, the show was the first one that mm-hmm. actually found this. He bought a uh, Quest about a couple months ago, and he has been now mm-hmm. like that's his game of choice game system of choice so he's mm-hmm. on top of all the stuff and reading the news uh, so he he brought out this game and it is a um uh like a D miniatures type game uh, that's the best way okay. to describe it but in vr um mm-hmm. and you're playing in like in your basement at, like as a high school kid right in the 80s because the 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 basement looks like it's got an old 80s commodore computer in the corner with you know sure. four inch floppy disks on the ground yep, and there's yep. like a Coleco connected up to the TV and, um, <laughs> and you're sitting around this really big table that's got, uh, you ever went to, you ever go to Gen kind of see those like Dwarven Forge is a company that does it, that makes these 
three realistic looking 3D models for miniatures of the dungeons for and the... Dun dungeon tiles and things. Yeah, they're, it, they're real the, big ones. The, the preview video in the uh, in the Oculus Store reminded me of Gloomhaven, of digital but, Gloomhaven. Yes, correct. Uh, it, it definitely looks like Gloomhaven, uh, except Gloomhaven looks a little. I want to say realistic, but it looks more. This looks like it's a like a uh, been made by miniatures, right? Like it's made to look like a miniature made board. Oh, I see. I see. Where the 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 models in in Gloomhaven because the physical game has minis for the characters but all the monsters are just cardboard stand-ups in the game in the in the the steam version um they look like little little dudes like i don't think they're animated yeah. or anything but they're the the um the models and the textures are very detailed so you're saying yeah. these look more like like game board pieces like game board pieces yeah and 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 not only just the, the miniatures themselves but everything in the dungeon looks like that. So it's really because you're in the physical space in VR and the way the controls work, you can, and it's hard to explain VR, but you can be standing around the table in it. You're like, your perspective can be standing around the table. Right. But then you just do like you grab uh, with your two fingers, you like pull, hold the trigger down and then do the pinch or zoom motion where you're pulling your mm -hmm. arms apart or pushing it in. And then that's how you zoom in kind of to the board. Right. And then you so you're just kind of pulling, grabbing your trigger and then pulling apart and then you zoom into the board on a natural zoom. So you can zoom way in that you're like your head, your physical eye view are like right next to your miniatures. And they're the size of what you would be if you're standing like six foot tall or something. Okay. Um, so you can get right down there in the action of the board and really see these miniatures up close and when you do it like i said it looks like miniatures you can see the paint lines and the creases where they painted it okay, and then okay. we, we talked about uh there's piles of gold everywhere where you have to get pick, pick up piles of gold mm -hmm. and they look like little octagonal punch outs like you've got a, a board game and you had punch out the cardboard punch out things you know yeah, and you yeah, punch yeah. them out um mm -hmm. and and like oh these are because the edges look like cardboard and the sides look like they were you know printed uh pieces Mm -hmm. and, and that's how a lot of the games are. That it looks like it's a it's an actual you you can't afford to buy thousands of dollars of uh, the the dungeon tile type stuff, but here right, you can actually right. play with it. So anyway, that's so very cool and immersive, and you can play with up to three other friends. So it's four players, um, and you're all sitting on the table. You're all talking. It works very seamlessly. Uh, you lose track of time. A lot of times with the VR games, I think you start to get a bit of fatigue wearing mm -hmm. the the thing. This is I the definitely first, do. Yeah. This is the first game that I completely lost track of any kind of time. And I did not think about hmm. it at all. Um, right on. Because I'm just, I'm really enjoying, even when it's not necessarily your turn. Turns are pretty short. But when it's not your turn, you're still like zooming around and looking at everything all <laughs> over the place. Um, right. And uh, so the game is, is a card-based game. I'll just kind of just do a really quick short of it. Hmm. Uh, you, miniatures, you have two actions on a turn. It's all you can do. Um, moving is an action. Attacking is an action. Uh, or And okay. to attack, you can just you know move your miniature up to, on to a top of a guy, and then he will walk up there and attack it, right? And each sure. character does X damage. It says it right there, like a fighter does three damage and a rogue does five, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you're, you have a hand of cards, 
and when you you can pull a card out of your hand and literally you pull your hand up like you fa face your hand up right. and when you do that the cards appear floating above your hand and then yeah. go away when you put it down so you just like open up your hand it goes whoosh and it shows up there you pull a card out of your hand and then place it where you want it to happen so if it's a fireball you pick the fireball up and it simply says does five damage three by three area it's that mm -hmm. very simple right pull sure. it out and you just drop it and as soon as you hover over the the board it shows a highlighted three by three area where it's going to hit and then you just hmm. drop it and then your character does a really cool animation and shoots a fireball across the thing and blows up it makes all sorts of simple things like you know if you're shooting arrow you pick the arrow card and it shows you the line of sight you can just see it right uh, so all of the game mechanics are just natural if you're reading in a book there'd be so much like corner to corner for line of sight and can you see around and can you do this the game just takes care of all of it and you don't have to worry about any of it um so you actually have two actions you go through the goal is to get to the third level of the dungeon every level is procedurally generated so it's different every time except for the last board and the last board is a boss fight and it's set up a certain way um that's what they're calling modules so they have the game has one module that it launches with and a module is so many things with objectives on each level that you have to do and sure. it has certain like zombies let's say it's themed or goblins it's themed type stuff and then they will later on put out more modules and you can play these and those will be based around different bad guys in there with different cards available and right, such like right. that so um, but anyway it, it was really fun we really we got to play it together it was not complicated for people to learn um it picked up real fast um the the four classes that are available were very simple uh a Warrior had an armor card that he could get armor. Nobody else had that. The rogue had a card that made him be invisible, and nobody else had that, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, it, and all the cards you got were mostly themed around those things. Uh, so it was very simple, very easy. It was not easy to win. I've never won. I've played it five times hmm. now, and I've never won. Okay. Uh, it, it, that doesn't sound bad. I just enjoyed myself still. Every time feels like every encounter feels like it's on the edge of your no way. Oh my god, open a door and there's 7,000 guys in here. I can never win this. And then you make it through. Mm. And you're like, "Oh, oh, oh my god, okay. We're we're making it through. Go to go to the next one." Uh and then eventually you either make it through or you're overwhelmed. Um so anyway, right. fun thing, fun VR. That was a real good time. I'm really looking forward to playing it with our our friend group. Um, yeah, I think we're going to play it this week and then maybe we'll have more uh Yeah more feedback next week yeah i i'm um i think that our, our friend group who's likes sitting around and playing these things it's kind of made for them type stuff mm -hmm. right looking forward to that how about yourself did you get to play any games this weekend? um let's see i bought um a game called hades which oh is a you, is a i didn't know you bought that i know you were talking about that yeah i bought it on switch i think when some of our guys were playing it it was steam only and I actually mm. don't play the Switch that much, but I'm like, eh, it's a controller game. I'd probably rather have it as a roguelike. might be something better to have on the Switch. So I haven't played it very much. I just, actually just today, tried it out and did like the starter run and then a second run. Um, it's roguelike. It's hard. It's, yeah. uh, it's a little bit the same format as Diablo in terms of the like, 
uh, camera perspective and controls and so forth, but no, like, there's no loot or any of that. I mean, you do pick up yeah. parts and stuff, but it's a little more arcadey, at least from what I've seen. So I've played it for, like, 20 minutes, maybe half an hour, so I don't yeah. have a lot of... Uh, um, other than that, um, I'm back to playing uh, Shipbreaker, Hard, sp- hard Space Shipbreaker. I saw that you were doing that. Is, is that because it got patched or just because... I, I was playing it. It's a nice, like pop in and you know each each shift is 15 minutes and the biggest ships i can do are going to take three shifts at most and so i'm like yeah i just want to get in and play for almost an hour and and not have to like make big decisions or or anything like that um i've been playing uh dyson sphere project yeah i had to i had to start that over because I'm on a different computer now. Mm. And uh, so I've been doing that for the last week or two. Something about our satisfactory thing gave me the itch to to go back and do that sort of elevated camera view um, um, style of game. And then, yeah, and then I was a little bit burned out on that. And I'm like, I'll try Shipbreaker. And then they did a big patch where they reset all the progress. And I was like, this is a good time to jump back in. Yeah, how how uh how far are you in that uh, Dyson Sphere project game? <coughs> uh let's see. They have the cubes, right? Their their science thing is cubes. Yeah. And I have all the colors now except for the white ones, which are the very last mm-hmm. once you do all the big upgrade thing, but my green ones which are the second to to highest are you know i'm making like one every five minutes but i'm sending the 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 shuttles that you launch directly up to build the components for the sphere and i'm somewhere like five or six hundred of thirty two hundred components for the first ring of my dyson (laughs) sphere and i'm like oh this is gonna be this is gonna be some time which it would be kind of disappointing if it wasn't, right? You're like, it's a right. freaking Dyson Sphere. But right. still, I'm like, oh, this is going to... I've been playing this game for a while, and it's going to be a while more before... Yeah, um, I, I definitely felt that happens. same thing that you you just described when, when I got to that. I, I mean, that's, I think, where I was at when I had stopped playing. Mm-hmm. I, I, will, I will pick it back up at some point. At that point, I won't start again, I'll because I'll, I think... When I hit that point, it almost felt like, okay, I just played the first half of the game, now the other half mm-hmm, of the game, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is fine. But like when I started launching pieces into the what mm-hmm. I thought was the sphere, I didn't really understand. I still don't really understand the whole how, how you make it, like how you, you, when you make the rings or whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and then I would it, send it, it things gets to parts that point up and, and it wouldn't look like it did anything. Like, suddenly, yeah, it suddenly drops all of its um, like tutorials and handholdy things, and are like, "Okay, here you go." And I'm like, "What? What? What, what, what am I? What, su- am I, what am I supposed yeah, to do?" And I even yeah. looked at. I tried to look at some videos, and they weren't necessarily helpful either. Mm-hmm. Um, I have actually never seen a video with the completed Dyson sphere. I've seen videos with lots of Dyson swarms, lots of pictures of people showing Dyson, sure. which I yeah, I have I tons mean, of Dyson swarm. That part that part's on. so easy. Right, I can I can yeah. do that. Uh, so 
All I know is that when I started finally being able to send parts up, which was a big task to just make a few, mm-hmm. um, it it was not even noticeable on the, hardly on the thing at all up there when they got sent up there and like nothing happened. And then I spent a couple more and it sent it up and kind of replaced the old parts. I'm like, holy cow, that took my whole night just to get the like ten pieces that I sent mm-hmm. up there. And and I am I supposed to make this automated because. That seems impossible. It's it's the factory and everything's supposed to be automated. I'm to the point where I'm replacing some of the stuff with bots, though the bot system in this game is a lot more intrusive than it is in in Factorio because you have to have these big towers. Like it's more, you know, quote unquote realistic in terms of space required. But I'm like, man, this is a big... It's a big oh thing. yeah, stick that that reminds me too. Is, is that uh, the two things that, that actually made me stop playing and go back to over to Satisfactory was the mm-hmm. um, the bots part. It's like I needed to start setting up. Uh, well, the main thing is that I started running out of resources. The, the main planet of some base mm-hmm. resource. Like I, I I farmed all the copper off, right? And I farmed okay. all, all the iron off. And you're like, I need those to just do core components to make core yeah. stuff. I have no more rocks available. You know. So you're like, mm. okay, I have to put down. Now I have to do the bot thing, where you put down a interplanetary uh, stuff. To people say, well, go right. go to other planets. Well, you have to put down an interplanetary bot system, and mm. that thing takes more power than almost anything in your entire base for just one. Mm. And you have to put like four down, uh, and then all of a sudden you find out because you put four down, you're not getting the the power that you need, and you can't make more power because you need more iron and stone which you don't have because so it means you have to manually go again and manually set up bases on other planets just to get your base back to a core normal thing and you haven't even started making parts again right um so it was a little frustrating that i didn't want to feel like i wanted to start over on other planets just to get back to my base normal you know tier that i was at to to do I was like, you know what? I'm just going to just start this another day, and then I'll, it, you know, I'll start the second phase of exploring planets all over again. Um, and work that out. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's also in yeah. early access, so some of those things could be tightened and switched and changed mm-hmm. and modified based on feedback. Yeah, Who and knows? the other game that I've been playing yesterday and today, as I said earlier, is um, Shipbreaker. It has a new patch. There's more. Uh, there's more story. Um, oh, they revamped so it's early access so they revamped so they did a progress wipe and because they changed the way that you progress it used to be so this is a game where you take um spaceships and cut them apart for salvage yeah it's really yeah. all like it sounds kind of boring but it's it's more kind of methodical and is it like a cathartic type thing where you're just kind of doing it and it makes you feel good for doing a, stuff? A little bit, although as you... So one of the things that they did is they sort of um, flattened the curve of the of the um, the difficulty. Yeah. So it you go a lot further in your leveling and you do a lot more ships before you get to ships that are pressurized, right? And then okay. once you have ships that are pressurized, now you have to deal with like... You go into the ship via the airlock and you, you know, you use the panel that equalizes the pressure. Now the cabin's depressurized and you can open that airlock again. But then there's a separate compartment where the engine is and there is no airlock for that one. And if you're not paying attention and you cut open a panel or something, 
now there's a hull breach and it's going to blow all that atmosphere out maybe it's going to blow stuff at you that's going to damage your suit because you're in space yeah Um, or it's gonna it's gonna send the whole ship sort of angling um out of the way maybe some parts are going to get damaged anyway it gets more dangerous as you go so you're like then there are ships with big fuel tanks and you got to try and get those drained and disconnected so that you can sell because the tanks worth a lot of credits. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's the, that's the gameplay loop. And then the story is this kind of like, you're working for this evil corporation clearly. And they start, (laughs) all the factory games are, they they start (laughs) you out with like your $1.2 million in debt and you do your shift every day. And if, if you're lucky, well, not if you're lucky. Like, if you do everything right, you will make, like, where I'm at now, I'm making, like, on the first day, I'll make, like, 1.5, well, however the number works. Um, call it, yeah, call it 1,500 credits in a day. And it costs me a little over 500 credits for all of my expenses, my okay. rent and dock fees. There's a whole list. It's very comical. You're like, add seven fifty for this invoice, right? That lists out all your things, like you're on AT and T or something. Um, right. And then, like, you'll get emails in the interface where, like, when you start the game, you have to agree to this employment contract. That's ridiculous. Like, I will vote for, you know, representative. That I will. I will not engage in any discussions of union of any kind (laughs) and then of course like some of the other um cutters they're called cutters uh are are talking about the things that they would want if they formed a union and i'm like okay i see and as much story as you can have in a game that's all about just cutting apart salvage spaceships um obviously this is what the this is what the quote-unquote story of it is going to be well, so we we got this week's gonna. Be, it sounds like we're gonna be busy. I've got. Uh, I'm gonna watch. Let's see. I gotta watch the last two. I'm trying to recap here for the the night. Watch the last two Fast and the Furious. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got Mythic Mythic Quest. Um, mm-hmm. We're. I'm gonna play some Star Wars Squadrons and some Demio. Uh, man, what else we got? Did we say we were gonna do this week? Um, oh, I gotta finish watching Shadow and Bone. Watch mm-hmm. that one. Um, man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Then we're gonna talk about all that stuff next week. Oh, and I'm gonna actually. Here we go. Play in person for some board games. Oh, so nice. that'll, that'll be interesting. My I, good news is just discovered four thing out that 12 to 12, 15 year olds can now get the vaccine and Sydney's ready to jump and go so she can get mm. covered too. So we're, we're excited. I'm, I'm fully on past my, my two weeks after my second shot. So nice. Everyone that's going to be going to, to the tomorrow night to the game thing will be pretty fun. So I'll point, uh, I'll report back to you, Dennis, what it's like to actually be able to see and touch people you know, <laughs> around the I same mean, table. You guys did an in-person thing or, like right, two weeks right. ago. It's not. Uh, and I'll tell you how different whiskey tastes when it's Mike Trotsky's for free as opposed to. I see. That I have I to see. Pay. It tastes a little different. It's a little sweeter. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little sweeter. It's <laughs> good. It's good. I, I, I like uh, he, every last couple of weeks. He, I guess he's got like one of your whiskeys over there and he's been threatening to drink it or something. And is it, yeah, what's that the, story the, about? Uh, Cardinal, Cardinal Spirits, the distillery in Bloomington, did, a, did another whiskey. And they're always very limited runs because whiskey has to be aged. And I, you know, sort of half jokingly, I was like, can anybody pick me up a bottle of this? And then next time I'm in town, 
I'll get it from you. And Trotsky's like, he's like, I'm going to get two so you can buy one of mine if it, if it survives. Like if I still <laughs> have it. Like, if, if, you know, there's not one of those nights where like you're out of everything else and you really just want one drink <laughs> and it might, it might, it might uh, get opened. I actually like how he, he did not tag that as yours. He tagged that as his with an option. Right, right. I, I forget how he exactly worded it, but that, that's very smart. Very, very smart of him. Mm-hmm. But he's been he's been holding it off, and and now we're you know make sure that he gets enough for us next week to to do that. Okay, so we got lots of stuff to do this week. Everybody, uh, go do those things, and maybe there's even a movie coming out here soon. Man, those trailers we talked about last week. There's so many. Oh, we didn't even talk about the Venom trailer coming out too. So no, yeah, there's. there's Did you that. see that real quick? Not talk about that Venom thing. Did you see the the words at the beginning of that Venom thing? It said in theaters only. Oh, it's a bold statement. So, so no, no streaming. No, yeah, they're they're moving, doing moving past go- the. Yeah, I mean the fact that they said that. I wonder if other people will start to other, you know, besides Warner Brothers, who you know mm-hmm. is supporting HBO or also owns Time Warner owns HBO, right? And HBO Max, or um, or Disney with their yeah. Well, and and they've also been, uh, but a lot of actors, especially we saw in. Um, the awards ceremony thing have been really kind of coming out and saying, see things in theaters, go see things in theaters and really in theaters are sure, you know, movie companies are, are trying to support go back in theaters, which is interesting because it feels like that they would want to cut out the middleman and this would be a great for, chance for them to do it. But now they're, they're all kind of trying to support the old model of going, having people go back to the theaters. And I would not have expected yeah movie making companies to want that to happen yeah i don't know i mean they probably somebody makes more money that way right and is yeah. pushing for it so. well there, there's there's also that whole uh what artistic thing that they say oh it's sure it's ma- meant to be seen or yeah in that mm-hmm. it's funny that you do that you you say that kind of mockingly because you're the most like, i am the one that, that believes it too hardcore yeah. theater go to the movie theater I, and i and i am and i, and I am but, but you know, I also think that you can make movies for the small screen. You you choose to make them for the big screen, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you yeah, can tell sure. you can tell your story, but I don't know. I bet you Fast and the Furious, you know, four was probably better on the theater than it was. Yeah, probably, you know, probably. Maybe <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> all right, man. All right. I think we got it all. We got them. We got them. Well, you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode 194. Woo. Special thanks to our friends at Geeks, Colors, Movie News, and LRM Online. Uh, you can check them out. Uh, our buddy Fox reviews all things. Um, what? If you want to reach out to us with feedback, uh, tell us all the things were wrong, but I don't know what I said. I'm sure I said something. Uh, <laughs> I wanna, yeah. I, I said Australian girl earlier. I was that second uh, woman young woman um anyway you can use contact forms on our website that address is frontporchpodcast.com or if you're old school want to email us directly that address is frontporchpod all one word at gmail.com if you enjoy the front porch please consider subscribing on spotify overcast apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found while you're there if you would leave us a positive review that would be awesome as always thanks so much for joining us and until next time i'm dennis and I'm Michael. The front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.